Hello and welcome to another episode of the Journal of Isakot podcast. My name is Dr. Andreas Voss and together with Dr. Manos Briliakis, we are very delighted to have Dr. David Parker from Sydney, Australia with us today. He is the author of the last editorial talking about the ideal alignment of UKA. Hello, Dr. Parker, and thank you again for this for your time. Maybe you can just uh, introduce yourself and tell us about your clinical background. Sure, thank you, Andreas. So I'm a orthopedic surgeon in Sydney, Australia, specializing in knee surgery. I've been in practice now for almost 20 years. Um, I went into knee surgery straight away after fellowship, and I did some extra training in uh, London, Ontario. Um, my clinical practice is uh, both uh, private and public uh, academic practice and we do a lot of clinical research. Uh, my practice is about half arthroplasty and about 300 arthroplasties a year and the other half is sports medicine so it's everything from ACL reconstruction to multi-ligament injuries to um, uh, osteotomies as well. So, but just, just knee surgery and uh, some knee trauma as well. Perfect, thank you. So I just want to bring everyone on the same level and I just want to summarize your editorial, which is basically uh, uh, investigation and looking at the, the difference between UK and a total knee arthroplasty. And you therefore quoted the article by Patterson et al, which has been recently published in the Journal of ASOCOS. And according to the literature, we see a higher revision rate with UKA compared to the total knee arthroplasty and only low uh, percentage of primary UKA, which is somewhat between 7 and 9% of all knee arthroplasty procedures. You also highlight the key elements of successful UKA, which are the avoidance of overcorrection and the correction of a deformity to a neutral or slight word, which should be the original constitutional alignment. You point out that the residual verse is acceptable, but highlight that an excessive verse has to be avoided. But what is an excessive verse? In the editorial, you quoted uh, seven degrees, but also mentioned the gray zone between three and seven degrees. The second part of the editorial talks about the patient's specific instrumentation in robotics and gives us a little idea of what we will see in the future in the UKA and total knee orthoplasty. In conclusion, you highlight the importance of preoperative planning and patient selection to a successful UKA. Dr. Parker, according to your editorial, there's a disparity between registry outcomes and let's say center outcomes regarding UKA. Where is this disparity coming from? What would you propose? to stick to a registry outcomes when I'm a low volume surgeon or to stick to the center outcomes when I'm a high volume surgeon? Yes, well, I think it's a, it's a good question. And yeah, when we look at outcomes of unicompartmental knee replacement, uh, there are some very well-known centers in the world who publish high volume uh, specialist studies, particularly the Oxford group and they have uh, very wide indications and you know, very good results that for the most part are difficult for other centers to reproduce. And, and that's this, the results that we get uh, from a, a single center where they're highly specialized in doing these replacements and also uh, probably have a certain uh, bias towards um, uh, these procedures as their procedure of choice. 
If we then contrast that to registry data, and registry data always has its limitations in the sense that the only outcomes usually are revision. Uh, but revision is a very important outcome, and particularly uh, for arthroplasty, uh, because it really is a definite failure. And if we look at the outcomes in registry, the revision rate in registries is really quite high for unicompartmental uh, replacements. It's about three times that of total knee replacements. There are many reasons for this, but in the end, it is still a revision. And I think that when you're uh, a low volume surgeon, uh, it's very difficult for you to reproduce uh, the results that a center that is doing a high volume is doing. And I would suspect that the registry outcomes are probably more likely reflective of what your outcomes may be. Uh, the question is, why is there a higher revision rate um, in unis compared to totals that we see on the registry? And uh, this is obviously multifactorial. Um, but I think, as, as you mentioned, it comes down a lot to patient selection and um, the precision of the surgery and the reasons for revision and the threshold for revision. And I think if uh, I think there can be real danger if we have higher volume centres and enthusiasts for uni encouraging people who are originally low volume to do more and more unis uh, and expand their indications possibly inappropriately and that will lead to a higher revision rate. So I think the registry data is probably that which is much more generalizable to the general orthopedic surgeon um, who does an average number of cases. And that's probably the more realistic uh, data that we can base our decisions on. Perfect, thank you. And a personal question, what would we be your personal algorithm to decide whether to use a UK or total knee orthoplasty? Maybe you can give us some uh, historical background how did the indication change in the last years? Sure, so I think it's important to also know where what's, what a surgeon's options are when they're making these decisions. So for example, I do all knee surgery, um, all types of knee surgery. So if I see someone who has medial compartment arthritis, uh, then I can choose between usually osteotomy or unicompartmental replacement or total knee replacement. And if a surgeon, for example, a lot of surgeons um, in North America, for example, will do either arthroplasty or they will do um, sports medicine, in which case that narrows down their options and can influence their choices. Uh, for me, I think unicompartmental replacement is a really good operation and gets really good results, but if the person is perfectly selected for it. And you don't want to compromise things like your revision rate to increase the utilization. So for me personally, the indication for a uni is someone who has well-localized arthritis, correspondingly very well-localized symptoms, uh, a joint that has close to a full range of movement and has a correctable deformity. I think when you get joints that have fixed deformities and flexion contractures, that's an indication that the joint has become more globally affected. And you can't fix that by doing a partial resurfacing of the joint. Um, so for me, uh, and if I have older patients, so people beyond the age of 65, then I usually want to give them the one operation that's going to last them the rest of their life. And statistically, if we look at our registry data, that's a total knee replacement. Um, uh, if it's a younger patient, less than 55 or 50 and they're active, I more commonly do a osteotomy. 
So for me, a unicompart mentor replacement is someone usually in middle age, sort of 50 to 65 age group, who meets those criteria. And yeah, and when I'm assessing them, I assess them very carefully, including an MRI scan to look at their other compartments, which is probably a lot more conservative than a lot of other proponents would be. Uh, but I know from my own data on the Australian Joint Register that I have a very low revision rate for my uni compartmental. I think it comes down to you know, really choosing your patients very carefully. Perfect, thank you. And that's a very interesting insight because also here in, in the European countries we see uh, the subspecialization. So we see uh, knee orthoplasty surgeons and then we see the sports medicine guys as you told us before. And I think maybe... Um, a good way should be like the shoulder surgeons doing because they're treating the whole joint so so they're not just doing orthoplasty they're using all options they have for the joint and i think this is one of the key features to give the patients the best outcomes he'll get for his pathology hmm. i agree so um in the second part of your editorial you mentioned the patient specific instrumentation and robotics uh, what is your personal opinion about instrumentation and robotics, are you using these techniques? So I've used computer navigation um, for all types of arthroplasty, total and unicompartmental for about 15 years, um, as well as for osteotomy. And I think there is very good evidence that you get improved um, alignment and there's some evidence for improved outcomes. And there's certainly some evidence in younger patients on the registry for lower revision rate. So, and for me, um, the robotics is just the next phase of computer navigation. It's essentially the same software, but with a robotic arm. So I think the robotics is good technology. I think it allows you to do it more precisely. And some of the um, recent data from the Australian registry for robotic unicompartmental replacement is showing a lower revision rate. I think the one thing that the robotics doesn't do is select the patient for you. And I, the one thing I do worry about is that uh, sometimes in Australia in recent times, I think also in the United States, when robotics is used as a marketing tool to um, promote um, a surgeon or a company's implant, then that may see someone inappropriately expand the indications for unicompartmental replacement. So I think as long as it's being used appropriately, the robot will improve the precision. It helps uh, with the implant positioning, it helps the implant alignment and the sizing of the implant. And I think it will lead to better results. So all those revisions that come about from poorly done surgery, I think will be reduced with robotics, um, but it won't take the place of appropriate patient selection. So if people want, surgeons want to use robotics, they've got to be careful not to get too enthusiastic and use it inappropriately. I think for patient-specific instrumentation, I have no experience of this with unis. Um, I think there is very limited data on this. Uh, we have done some research ourselves in total knee replacement showing that it certainly is not as accurate as uh, computer navigation or robotics. And I think it's very product specific. Some of them are more accurate uh, than others and and the reason I mentioned these in the editorial is because these are the topics that were uh, put uh, up in the uh, in the paper that I was commenting on and I mean just to come to an, another point that you made about uh, the alignment that we should be aiming for uh, the figure of seven degrees varus was not one 
chosen by me. It was interestingly one that was put into the review papers, uh, something to avoid beyond seven degrees. Uh, I did comment in the editorial that it's not entirely clear where that figure came from. Um, and I, to me, uh, there is this area that I think is perfectly acceptable, constitutional varus from neutral to about three degrees. The authors of this paper said more than seven degrees. Between three and seven degrees, I think we've got to be very careful. And I think there aren't really clear guidelines there. So for me, I think restoring someone to just slight varus up to three degrees or no more is what we should really be aiming for. And pushing beyond that, I think is a little bit risky. Perfect. Thank you, Dr. Parker, for, for your comments and for your insights in, uh, in your editorial. I think uh, we've answered ev every questions we had and uh, I want to thank you once again for your time uh, with us uh, and talking about your editorial. And of course, uh, we invite all to uh, join us on our social media platforms and to listen to our upcoming editorials. This was Associate Professor Dr. Andreas Voss from the University Hospital of Regensburg in Germany on behalf of the Journal of Isakos. We hope to have you back for our next episode. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the society or the journal.